So it's time for a word with the kids. And um, I kind of want to spin off of the Hebrew scripture and our epistle lesson today, because there was a lot of talk about languages. And I wonder, as young as you are, have you studied any foreign languages yet? Yes. Yes. What have you studied? Spanish. Spanish. Wonderful. I regret that I did not study Spanish when I was in school. I took German and I took French. And um, now I have neighbors to whom I could speak in Spanish, but I can't speak to them because I didn't learn to study that language. So do you think that there is a language that is understood everywhere in the world by almost everybody? English. It's kind of a trick question, but not really. What do you suppose if it's a language that doesn't use words? Sign language. They've done some studies, and all over the world, when people have a happy expression, in every culture, wherever you go, people recognize that, and they know what it means. If you look surprised. Emotions aren't really a language that is studied by everyone. It is a language that is pre-programmed into everyone's mind. Emotion is not a language that is studied. It's pre-programmed into everyone's mind. That's right. We do all still have a language that we can understand by emotions, facial expressions, body language. And I would submit to you, too, that kindness is understood wherever we go. So even though the story of the Tower of Babel says that God confused all the languages, God left us one that we can all understand. And that's the language of kindness and the emotions that we can express with our bodies and our faces. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Gracious God, you have made us in many different ways and you have given us many different languages to make this planet a richer, fuller, and more interesting place. We thank you for the one language that we understand together, which is our facial expressions, our emotions, and most of all, the language that you give us, which is kindness and love. Amen. Thanks. You kids take care, and I appreciate the fact that you've been with me through so many Sundays. I really do. It's been great. I wish we could have been together live. We were once or twice, uh, but that's okay, because this is another way of communicating. We could even say it's another language, almost, almost. For several Sundays now, seems like a long time, as we completed the Easter cycle of seven Sundays, we have heard words from the final discourse of Jesus, the farewell from a man who is about to die, that is addressed to his beloved friends. Jesus will remind them later, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus is leaving, but one who is coming who will not leave, the consoler, the comforter, the advocate, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and remains with us. Then, some 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus did leave, standing on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, across the valley, above the Garden of Gethsemane. On the Mount of Olives, the disciples saw Jesus 
taken away, and a cloud received Jesus from their sight. The disciples returned to Jerusalem and remained in the city as they had been instructed. Others joined them, including men and women who followed Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, Luke tells us in Acts, and we don't even know their names, and including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. Luke tells us this. And Luke also tells us they were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. They were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. And in one of the synod assemblies that I was watching and listening to over the last two days, a speaker observed, it's prayer that will get us there. We will be catching up with where God already is, and it's prayer that will get us there. So sisters and brothers, siblings in Christ, when groups of people devote themselves to extended times of prayer, amazing things happen. And so it was. Ten days after the ascension, it's the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And it's a Jewish festival of first fruits being brought to the temple. Where I come from, there wouldn't have been too much to bring to the temple in our climate, but maybe we could have brought some rhubarb, a little asparagus, some iris, some lilacs, first fruits of the earth, such as we had, a sweet smelling sacrifice. But it is Pentecost, one of those primary Jewish festivals where those who were capable and at a certain distance from Jerusalem were required to come. And pilgrims also came from all over the world. So Jerusalem, once again, is filled with pilgrims from everywhere. And the wind begins to blow. It's a rushing wind, even sometimes characterized, as it was in our lesson today, as a violent wind. And this post-resurrection group of folks, maybe about 120 people, began to speak with other tongues. This is a really intriguing verse become, because some trans translations go so far as to say they began to talk in other languages. And the bystanders, those who came to see what was going on, began to ask that question that some of us learned to love in confirmation. They said, what does this mean? What does this mean? It's a beautiful question that permeates our Lutheran tradition. And it's okay for us to ask it. And it's okay for us to discern that together in prayerful study and prayerful discernment, one with another. We don't have to discern it alone. So this group begins to speak in tongues of one kind or another. And the text also says, each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. So I've thought about this text for a number of years, and I wondered maybe, just maybe, the disciples are speaking in tongues of one kind or another, and the crowd was given the gift of comprehension, of understanding. After all, the text says we hear them speaking in our own language. So as I've thought about this over the years, and by the way, this is the first text on which I ever preached after being ordained. I was ordained on the eve of Pentecost, it was also the anniversary of my dad's ordination and my confirmation. And the next morning, I preached on this text in my home parish. 
So I remember thinking, what if the real amazing thing was not that the, were, the disciples were speaking in various tongues, but the fact that those tongues were comprehended and understood by so many. And then I read a comment from John Wesley. And he wrote, the miracle was not in the ears of the hearers, as some have unaccountably proposed, but in the mouths of the speakers. So just when you think you've come up with an intriguing idea that's new, you realize somebody else had thought about it a long time ago, and it might just be heresy. I don't know. So what happened on Pentecost? Well, we weren't there, were we? And Luke probably wasn't there either. But Luke is trying to let us know clearly that whatever happened, and this is a big deal, whatever happened, that small group of 120 people had their past reconstructed and a brand new future created. Whatever else happened, that group of 120 people had their past reconstructed and a new future created. It's like that quote from Kierkegaard I've shared with you before. Life must be lived forwards, but understood backward. And you can't see where the wind is blowing, but you can see what it's doing. So regardless of how it might have actually happened, Luke goes to great lengths to tell us all these different languages and dialects, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and all the rest. Why? Why this? tongue-twisting series of names which I am grateful Pastor Tom read for us today. Well, as the poet says, I don't have any answers, but I have a few suggestions. Perhaps among all the other reasons, this list of places and nationalities, this list was to say, after centuries of worship at this particular place, in this particular city, in this particular language, with these particular psalmodies, with the same scriptures and the same old hymns, with this particular rhythm of beautiful festivals, Passover, Pentecost, booths. We've had that for years now. Now things are about to be changing. And perhaps this is one of the finest examples or the first example we have, I think, in the New Testament, the Greek scriptures of what in seminary we called contextualization bringing the message of life and healing to people where they are, as they are, in language they can understand. On several occasions, listening to the two synod assemblies in the last two days, I've heard the question basically asked, how do we get them in here? And I would propose that actually the question is, how do we get more of us out there, where they already are? Dr. Harriet Lerner is a noted relational therapist, one of the wisest speakers I have heard in my professional life. And she says, God is in the details. If you want a relationship to flourish, you pay attention to the details. Don't you? Don't you? Luke gives us details and he gives us specifics. Luke wants us to know Specifically, okay, here we go, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Upper Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Romans, native-born Jews and converts, people from Crete, Arabs, they all heard. They all heard 
the mighty deeds of God in language they could understand. What do you suppose that 120 large group was talking about? Now, as you well know, this is a reconciling in Christ's congregation. And it has been for so long that maybe you've forgotten how important and exceptional that is. The reconciling in Christ movement makes a point, a particular specific point of welcoming everyone, everyone. And the suggested welcome statements on the website are real specific. Here's an example of one of my favorite welcome statements from the previous Reconciling in Christ website. Are you ready? It says, who's welcome here? If you're Asian, Hispanic, black, white, none of the above or all of the above, you're welcome here. If you are male or female or transgender or whatever, you are welcome here. If you are three days old, 30 years old or 103 years old, you're welcome here. If you've never stepped foot in the church, or if you're a Buddhist, or you're a Roman Catholic, or you're agnostic, or you're a lifelong Lutheran, or if you can't decide, you're welcome here. If you're married, single, divorced, separated, or partnered, you're welcome here. If you are straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, just questioning, you're welcome here. If you are a Republican, okay, now it gets personal, right? If you are a Republican, a Democrat, independent, socialist, or you're not even registered to vote, you're welcome here. If you have or have had addictions, phobias, regrets, or a criminal record, and I like to add, if you're in recovery, or you think you probably should be, you're welcome here. If you own your own home, if you rent, if you live with your parents, or you have no shelter, you're welcome here. If you are temporarily able-bodied, if you have disabilities that are apparent, if you have disabilities that aren't so apparent, or if you are a person of differing abilities, you're welcome here. You can't just only always say, all are welcome. Sometimes you've got to get specific. Parthians, Medes, even those wily Elamites. I don't know if they were wily, I just like to say that. And they will know that they are welcome here if they've seen us out there. Here at Christ Church, we are not sent on this mission by ourselves. It's so important that we remind ourselves of that over and over again. You're not sent on this mission that we've been given by ourselves. I think of my home parish, Augustana in Omaha. It's a reconciling in Christ congregation, and it was the site of that famous documentary, A Time for Burning. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it or watch it again. Augustana learned from that painful, burning time, and at one point, they were the most racially diverse congregation in the Nebraska Synod. They had African-American members, Asian members of a wide variety, and they had a number of Hmong members who had been resettled in Omaha, one of whom became the first Asian council member for the city council of Omaha. Augustana still has an outreach every summer called Project Embrace that gives kids in North Omaha a chance for safe and wholesome summer activities and field trips. Augustana has been specific and intentional in how they have been sent out into the world. And now, like all of our congregations, they are praying and discerning 
What does this mean as we move forward into the future? You can't see the wind, but you can see what it's doing. And then I have to think of my teaching parish for three years, Faith Lutheran in Phoenix. Faith is also a reconciling in Christ's congregation with a tradition of progressive Christianity. Faith was once thought to be in the burgeoning suburbs of Phoenix. Now it's more like in the center of town. And it's become a bilingual parish with English services at 9 a.m., Spanish services at 11, bilingual services all during Lent, and joint bilingual services quarterly. And on Pentecost Sunday, as you can imagine, it's multilingual there. Swedish, German, Asian, of every variety, everybody gets up and reads apart in their own language. Faith has made a deliberate effort to reach out to the immigrant community right around them with referrals to social services, with help for food, finances, education, and spiritual support. The congregation has always taken a public stance in support of basic human rights for the immigrant community, where they are, as they are, regardless of immigration status. That's not always an easy thing to do in Maricopa County, which was the land of Sheriff Joe Opayo. Faith Lutheran has been specific and intentional in how they've been sent. And now, like all our congregations, they are praying and discerning, what does this mean as we move forward into the future? You can't see the wind, but you can see what it's doing. I think of my internship parish, St. Paul, Oakland, just across the bridge. It's an old Augustana Synod congregation. A reconciling in Christ congregation as well. I think it was, if not the first, the second or third congregation to become reconciling in Christ. They are incredibly generous with causes beyond their doors, whether it's for band instruments for kids in South Africa or the feral cats, people who look after them, or the local animal shelter or their own active outreach that they've had for years to a hospital and girls' school in Tanzania. They've had that relationship for probably 20, 25 years. The church also has a task force that has visited the county hospital regularly since the beginning of the AIDS crisis, bringing spiritual hope and material help. And they haven't missed their appointed date in more than 24 years. After I left St. Paul, Oakland, there was an incident in the neighborhood there. A transgender person who goes by the name Sasha was riding the public bus. Maybe some of you remember this. And in an obvious hate crime, gasoline was thrown and a lighted match, and Sasha was hospitalized for treatment of burns. So as Sasha recovered, a small group of folks at St. Paul undertook to organize a community march to protest the crime and to send a clear message of support for Sasha and other transgender people. They thought they might rally a couple of hundred folks. No, they actually thought they would rally a couple dozen folks. But as it turned out, hundreds of people did join the march. And after the march was done, 400 people jammed into the basement at St. Paul. I'm glad the fire marshal wasn't there. They jammed in there for a dinner hosted by the church and a group discussion of how to ensure equal access to everyone and safe public transportation. Later that week, after all of this had kind of come down, on a community blog in Oakland, a resident of Oakland wrote, I'm an atheist, but if we have to have a church in the neighborhood, I'm glad it's St. Paul. 
St. Paul has been specific and intentional in how they have been sent. And now, like all our congregations, they are praying and discerning what does this mean as they move into the future. You can't see the wind, but you can see what it's doing. Here at Christ Church, we, I will be so bold as to use the first person plural, we are not sent on this mission by ourselves. In so many ways, we are not by ourselves. Christ Church Lutheran is a reconciling in Christ congregation, and you have been for a long, long time. Years, years ago, you called a pastor who was gay and in a partnered relationship, Pastor Steve. You didn't know it, but there was somebody sitting in rural Nebraska, reading reports, reading newspapers, following the story and thinking, really? Really? Is there a place where we might truly, freely, and openly be welcomed and freely and openly served? That was long before the thoughts of the seminary had crossed my mind again. You thought you were calling a pastor, and you were, but you were doing so much more than that. I can attest to that. My mom used to quote a choir director who would always say, you never know, choir, to whom you are singing. Well, you never know, Christ Church, to whom you are witnessing. Christ Church has a wonderful tradition of outreach to the neighborhood, special events, the food pantry, which was so important, and Lawrence worked so hard, and so many of the rest of you did too, crucial for food security on the part of so many people for so many years. And after arduous, time-consuming and frustrating efforts, you are now going to be opening your space downstairs to a wonderful program that will give safe support to those who give safe support to our community. Wonderful. Wonderful. During the pandemic, you scrambled to get worship services. I know Pastor Lyle told me, Pastor Tom testified to it. You scrambled to get worship services where everyone could participate online with a wonderful format, thank you, Ruthann, where people could actually observe the service and participate with a printed bulletin. You may not be aware of this, but you have had people watching from all over the country. You thought you were doing Zoom church, but you are doing so much more. You never know to whom you are witnessing. You are welcoming new members today, new members who come with different perspectives and histories and understandings. We have so much to learn from our new members about how to be church in the world. As the pandemic becomes endemic and as outreach continues and you steward the wise and open use of this wonderful facility, it really is, you will be discovering other ways to be out there where the people are. You will be discovering other ways in which you are called to serve and to renew and to heal. You will have new information. You really will, I know you will. You will have new information and good news to put up on your website, which as a bishop said two days ago, the website is your new front door. I heard a bishop say two days ago, we will not program our way into the future Rather, it's prayer that will get us there, catching up with where God already is. Christ Church is being specific and intentional in where and how you are being sent. And now, like all of our congregations, you are praying and discerning what does this mean 
as you, you, as you move forward into the future where God already is. You can't see the wind, but you can tell what the wind is doing. You see a pattern here? You do not venture into the future unaccompanied. Martin Luther wrote, daily we have Pentecost when we receive the new law, the spirit into our hearts. Daily, daily we have Pentecost. There's a little Church of the Brethren congregation that I know well. I lived a quarter of a mile west of it for four years in Nebraska, Gage County. It sits out in the country at the intersection of two gravel roads, and it has a sign out in front that says, continuing the work of Jesus, simply, peacefully, together. May we, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is God within us, be found continuing the work of Jesus through a variety of gifts, but in the same spirit, grace, faith, and justice, grace, faith, and justice in action and in word. We, you, all of us are the incarnation now of God's healing love for this beautiful and broken world. May we be sent to bear the message of life and healing always in the knowledge of the one who dwells within us and who binds us as many members into one body. May we daily experience Pentecost as we receive the spirit into our hearts. Jesus said to his disciples, as the father has sent me, so I also send you. Thanks be to God.